2: Ten twenty-five here on SENZ in the mornings, and it's panel time. And uh, Ross Carl will be joining us. Lavina Good is already re- ready, poised to make comment on a number of issues. Uh, Lavina, and uh, really important on the back of uh, the the uh, black ferns last weekend, the Kiwi ferns are in action in their grand final this weekend against Australia. It's in Manchester on uh, Saturday, one fifteen PM kickoff local time, ten two fifteen New Zealand time, New Zealand uh, two uh, fifteen AM. What have you made of uh, their progress in this tournament, and what chance do you give them?
0: Yeah, outstanding, I reckon. I, I've watched most of their games. I'm looking forward to to watching yet another Australia versus New Zealand final in the Women's World Cup of Rugby League. Um, they were impressive against the Aussies in the pool play Smitty. They only lost by two, but they certainly had the Gillaroos on the back foot. And as most Rugby League fans would know that the Australian women's team are the Two times defending champions, and I think they scraped through their semi final 82-0 against Papua New Guinea. So uh, it was a bit tougher, the semi final uh, for the Kiwi ferns as they, they came up against England. But it was interesting hearing the comment from coach Ricky Henry just yesterday saying that he wasn't that happy with the team's performance. It was a convincing victory, but they still made 15 errors against England and only had a completion rate of sixty four percent but on the end of that he did say if we don't make as many errors and that completion rate can increase then for sure we've got a great chance of winning the first world Cup for these women since two thousand and eight he has he has made a few changes we'll see Maddie Bartlett come in and also. Charlotte, Scanlon. So their change is not from the semifinal, but from the last time that they played Australia in that pool play match. But most most of the responsibility and all eyes will be on Racine McGregor, who is by far the best female rugby league player in the world at this stage. She, she plays for the Roosters at the moment in the NRLW. She spent a couple of seasons winning um, premierships with the Broncos. She was named as the M Player of the Year, so that NRLW competition, and has also just been named the Golden Boot Player of the tournament for the Rugby League World Cup. She's the one to watch. She's the one that the Aussies are all talking about. She's the one that they'll all try and nullify and stop being the orchestrator. But at this stage, if she plays like the performances I've seen her so far in the, the tournament, she's such a rare player, Smitty. She is so difficult to shut down. And she's a one of a kind, and I think she'll prove that that golden that golden boot accolade, and come out and have a good chance of taking out this Australian side that are very very wary of the Kiwi ferns.
2: Lavina, good with her thoughts on uh, the women's uh, rugby league World Cup final. Of course, we've got the men's uh, coming up this weekend as well. I'll come back to you on that, uh, Lavina, very shortly. Uh, Ross Carl, of course, from uh, Sky Sport, uh, joins us. Uh, uh, Ross, uh, also a big weekend for the All Blacks. Uh, for me, a d- very much a defining game. I'm not sure if it is for you in terms of the calendar year of rugby. It's been a, a turbulent one, which includes now Brodie Retallick playing his 100th test match. How do you see this going?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I'm glad the All Blacks have picked their best side because it's became patently obvious in the last few weeks that there's a big difference between the number one side and when they rotate players in and out. World rugby has become far too close. The teams that used to be beaten by 40 points by a second-string All Black team will now almost all knock off an All Blacks team. So they just can't really afford to rotate that much on the end-of-year tour. Um, but from what we saw against Wales and from what we've seen... As we've gone through the year, the development within this top team, I'm, I'm happy to see what they've picked. And I think they should go in its favourites. I think England have been a little bit patchy. Um, they certainly were good against Japan. But, you know, that all-black team on paper looks really, really strong. And with Geordie Barrett at 12, they've got that ability to get over the game line. Um, with Brodie Retallick back, they'll have that, I suppose, impetus in and around the rucks and the malls. And they're starting to win breakdowns for really. They're starting to win at the breakdown, mm. which was their big issue. They're starting to get go-forward ball because of it. And I, I think that they should go well this weekend.
2: OK, and uh, where does Brody Retallick sit for you, Ross, in the pantheon of all black great locks?
1: Uh, I think he has to be at the top, doesn't he? You know, when you look at his skill set and the 10 years that he's put into the jersey... The fact that he's a tight forward that has won World Rugby Player of the Year, you know, where they like to ignore anyone who's not a first five or a, a, a speedy back or a loose forward. You know, tight forward's mm-hmm. just don't win that. And that shows Brody, I suppose, has all of those amazing skills and athleticism, but he also brings that incredible niggle, doesn't he? he? He loves to get into the opposition. And when you talk to players, they talk about how he brings that at training as well. He's one of those guys that makes sure that the All Black training during the week is at a high level because he just. Doesn't have an off button. So for me, I think he's right at the top. He's the number one. But I didn't watch Colin Meads um, play. I'm not sure it's easy to compare amateur professional errors but certainly within the professional era, he's number one.
2: Okay, good uh, good assessment there too. And um, a lot of people, I would imagine, would agree with it. There might be some cannery people think Sam Whitelock might be a. a a touch ahead of him, we'll see. Um, we've got Ross Carl and uh, Lavina Good with us uh, this morning, folks, on the panel. We'll take a very quick break for some news from Araha and when we come back uh, is a little matter of uh, Rugby League Men's World Cup to sort out as well this weekend. Lavina will have opinions on that, I am sure. The Panel. Ross Carl with us this morning, as is Lavina Good. And Lavina Good, I will uh, put this to you. A month ago, I would have said to you, Australia will play Samoa in the Rugby League Men's World Cup final. You would have laughed at me, surely. What do you make of this?
0: Yeah, mate, I would have laughed at you if you said in the T20 that England would have gone through the semi-final without losing a wicket as well. So this is this is <laughs> crazy stuff that's happening in in the world of sport, I, like they're the sentimental favourite some or they've never been in a World Cup final before Australia, are three times defending champions but so as we saw Australia playing against the Kiwis, they certainly look disjointed at the moment, There's, there doesn't seem to be the synergy that we've seen from the Aussies in the past and I think the issue might be with Nathan Cleary and Cameron Munster not having that 6-7 connection, they're both show ponies, they both like to rule the show. And neither of them wants to be the distributor. They both want to be the impact player. So when your halves aren't, aren't connecting, uh, it doesn't look good for the, the Australian side. But I actually didn't even think Salmoor would be able to beat Tonga. And I thought that was an outstanding clash. And to come out and, and say goodbye to England and then and get a place in this final, it certainly is a recipe for some exciting rugby league that will take place. And I think it's the key matchups. Like I mentioned Cameron Munster before, but he'll be up against Jerome Luai. And I just think that in itself is, is enough for people to, to make sure that they get out of bed and see what's going on at Old Old Trafford. And then if you look at the big lads up front, Regan Campbell-Gillard up against Junior Polo. Uh, and that... That in itself is enough to make you think, wow, they're, they're, they've got a good chance somehow to try and to try and stop an, an Australian side that has not put in their best performance so far. When New Zealand played against Australia in that semi-final, I thought New Zealand had a great chance to go through because Australia had not been tested, and the Kiwis certainly had. So their chance came and went. I still feel as though Australia do not look like they're a side that um, should be world champion, So it would be a little ironic if they defeated uh, Samoa and I think when you look at what's going to happen at the weekend, I see that the the, uh, South Auckland Township of Otara are going to get together uh, and Manurewara and they're all going to get together and have a massive party before this final and uh, try and send all their love and great wishes overseas to Old Trafford to see if they could do the unbelievable, and that is take out the world champions. And all they have to do is try not make as many mistakes as Australia that's making plenty of mistakes, play with passion and pride, which we know they can, and, and listen to the words of advice from the people from their nation. It's a sporting mad nation, Samoa. And I really do believe if if some of those players can tap into that passion from what's happening from thousands of kilometres away, it could be very well the upset of the sporting rugby league world.
2: Well, yeah, I think you're right, but it's uh, and I also agree that you're right. It's it's on the cards because that has been the trend of this tournament so far. Uh, Ross, I'd like to come to you on a matter that um, you I know you have an opinion on, and and that <coughs> we, we we don't really have to continually. Leave our match officials alone. Uh, you know, we're entitled to, to have a crack at their performance every now and then. But we can't, uh, and we, we really are taught as broadcasters not to overstep the mark as such. Uh, Rassi Erasmus is not a broadcaster, but it seems he's overstepped the mark again.
1: Oh, yeah. Look, he, you know, he was banned last year after all of the hijinks through the Lions. And because he's set up this amazing system where he's the coach, but he's not officially the coach, he's got Jacques Neen over there. He thinks that he can almost get away with anything he likes and he posts these tweets and they're all aimed at the refs and he thinks he's being very smart by saying, oh, we have to fix these fundamental errors like tackle technique and simple passing. Then he posts a video about a ref missing a mistake and he thinks that he's, because he's not saying the words, he's not doing it. So I'm really glad that World Rugby steps in overnight and bans him for two games. But he's only banned from going to the ground and he's banned from doing anything in the media or on social media. So he doesn't really cop anything and he sees himself as a bit of a hero. And he, he's almost, you know, like Donald Trump. He, he sees himself as a guy who can call out the authorities and do whatever he likes with, with zero implications. And, you know, there is a system set up for teams to complain about refs. They have the ability to talk through the week. They have the ability to talk about incidents and situations, to talk before games about things they'd like the refs to see. Coming out and slamming these guys publicly week on week on week. It's just not good because we need the rest. You know, and yes, they need to do things well. Um, they should probably have more of a right of reply, to be honest. you know, uh, That's probably my opinion. I know I've talked to talk Ben O'Keefe about it. He would like the ability that on a Tuesday or Wednesday, after reviewing the game, that he can come out in the media and talk through the things he got right and wrong. Um, so we don't have to end up in a situation where people like Rassi or Rusty are just having a crack at them week in, week out. It's It's childish, it's petulant, and... It's really grossly
2: unfair to a group of people who really don't have a right of reply right now. Okay, that's interesting in in its own right. and I've never really, uh, I don't think, uh, had a right of reply and uh, that, of course, is because their governing body as such doesn't want them to be exposed to that, I'm pretty sure. Um, Lavina, here's an interesting one. Uh, He has dug his toes in, he has relented, he's given up uh, opportunities to win tournaments. I'm talking Novak Djokovic here. But uh, finally, the Australian government have turned around and said, OK, uh, it's OK for you to come back this year, Novak, and you can play in the Australian Open. Here's your visa.
0: Wait, what? Wasn't he deported? <laughs> Wasn't he deported <laughs> at the start of the year? And anyone in Australia that gets a ban from a visa and gets just deported gets a minimum of three years before they're allowed back in the country. But obviously... If uh, politics gets involved and you've got a new Minister of Immigration, the rules change and so do the goalposts. And, uh, yeah, the Australian Tennis Committee have obviously been uh, tapping on the door of the government saying we need the nine-time winner of this tournament back and we need to forget about masks, we need to forget about vaccinations. In fact, let's just forget about when we deported the best player in the world earlier in the year Let's welcome him with open arms. And it is Djokovic's most successful Grand Slam tournament. And he's won it the last few times. Obviously Nadal won when he wasn't playing earlier this year. But he he appealed, he wanted to come back. And I'm sure the tennis fans that will be attending um, in Melbourne will be rewarded by being able to watch one of the best. But it just shows you there's some rules for some, Smitty, and there's other rules for others.
2: Yeah, and, and, and on that subject too, uh, Lavina, the women's uh, draw, we're talking to Nicholas Lamperin this morning, of course, he's the tournament director for the ASB Classic. Uh, Emma Raducanu's name added to an impressive list. Uh, this women's tournament uh, for the first year back after COVID looks a very strong one.
0: Radicona is a massive, massive score, isn't it? I mean, she's, we know she reached the career high of number 10 in the um, Tennis Association, but, you know, the British number one, just to even tout her name as might be coming is enough to get people excited. I really love the ASB Classic. I think it's an outstanding competition. It's at a great time of year here in New Zealand. Everyone's on holiday. The, the sun is hopefully shining, and the fans will obviously enjoy having her here. But it's, and it's an exciting tournament. for me, I've always preferred it to the... Um, the counterparts, the male counterparts of their I and I've always thought the classic was magnificent tennis and it, it just shows that we can, can have world class players and it's enough for those mm-hmm. tennis fans to think that they've got something to chew their teeth on throughout January, I reckon it's a real coup, well done to the organisers Yeah
2: and Ross, the, the interesting thing that comes out of that is usually when you have <coughs> big name players come uh, in any sport, it, it tends to inspire people to action Uh, But I just wonder, where are our tennis players? Uh, I just got a text in to say, you know, we've got golfers that uh, do well on the world stage when they're inspired by what they see from uh, overseas players, etc. Golf's very strong. Tennis uh, just seems to be a vacuum there. I
1: think tennis players are only as good as the players they play against, right? So... To it, to lift yourself to another level where you've got to constantly playing upper level competition. I, I remember going to school with um, a few different tennis players who were world ranked at a high school level, and they had to travel. They were on the road all the time. Their parents had to be wealthy enough to fund it to get around the world and play some competition, so they could play against people they would need to play against at a high level. So, you know, the Europeans etc. have got that quite easily. It's it's hard for New Zealand geographically to do that. I think, and when comparing it with golf it's you versus the golf course, not you against anybody else, is it? So, you know, you could probably be good at golf anywhere in the world as long as you've got, you know, some half-decent coaching and and a a course to play on. Um, Whereas I think with tennis, there just is really a lack of depth that leads to even more of a lack of depth because you've got no one to play against.
2: Ross, it seems like about five minutes ago we were talking about the T20 World Cup, and tonight uh, we're talking about uh, the Black Caps playing against the a relatively depleted Indian side. Pretty hard to get excited about it, is it or not?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, because India's here and the crowds will be really good, I, I think it can still be an exciting event but, you know, from a straight up and down watching the team point of view, if Vera Coley's not here, how many people are going to be turning on their television? You know, that's, that makes a massive difference to your casual fan. Uh, are they going to be really interested in it? Um, the Black Caps have got a pretty strong squad, don't they? But you know, when you've got Hardik Panya leading the site and not Vera Kohli, you, you kind of have to, you know, shake your head a little bit. But this is what international cricket is now, right? It's, you're not going to have the best teams all the time. You're not going to have Kane Williamson always playing. Trent Bolt's going to have something better to do at some point. Uh, we're going to have to start getting used to the fact that it's watered down regularly and it's probably going to get worse and worse and worse as more high-paid leagues, Join and people like Trent Bolt jump off to join them um, because the money's there and the future's there. And, you know, what are three T20s against India in comparison to making a billion dollars? And you probably won't remember mm. these T20s because you play so much cricket. You know, the money's a mm. real part in your bank account.
2: Absolutely right. Money is a huge factor. Uh, And on that subject, uh, your fellow Bay of Plenty resident, uh, Lavina Good, has uh, lost his gig at the uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad, so a couple of million dollars down the gurgler there. But uh, I just wonder, he's almost been untouchable, Kane Williamson, for the right reasons, um, because he's been so bloody good for us over a long period of time. But all of a sudden, Kane Williamson at number three in our T20 side, Lavina Good.
0: He's always been Mr Reliable. My old buddy up the road, always been Mr. Reliable, and always needed him. We need him, but it was interesting Craig McMillan coming in out and, and questioning Kane Williamson's place in the T20 due to his low stroke rate. And I think uh, if we've learned something from this T20 competition, I guess with the whole out with the old, in with the new might be happening. Like Martin Guptill dropped in the first place. Trent Bolt after saying that in August he wanted to opt out of his national uh, contract. He's not considered for the T20 series. And I just think we are having that changing of the guard. I, I think every cricket fan in New Zealand would expect and accept Finn Allen and Devon Conway as being the first choice openers. So there is a changing of the guard, and, and our captain isn't getting any younger. And he's always been Mr. Reliable. But I guess it'll come down to a decision on whether or not he's playing 2050 or Test cricket. And at the moment, a few people are critiquing him In terms of not having a quick enough or, or, or strike rate that would be acceptable uh, for this style of the game. I'm a massive fan of him and I, I hate to turn against the player just because um, the rules change a little bit. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of reflection for Kane in terms of what's happening in the future, and all eyes will be on him at first drop to see what I can do with the bat and how good that strike rate is. Yeah, and it was interesting what Ross mentioned as well in terms of I'm really looking forward to the T20s. There's a match here at Bay Oval on Sunday, although there's a chance of, um, you know, 50% chance of rain, so I'm not sure what, what's going to happen there. But it's not just Coley that they're missing, it's also Shami and Ashwin, and I love him mm-hmm. as a spin bowler. I would turn up to watch him alone, and the fact that three key players are missing is just a little bit disrespectful I think to some of the cricket fans here in New Zealand that really want to watch the world's best
2: Totally agree, absolutely totally agree Uh, Ross Carl thank you very much for your time this morning Uh, Lavina Good I'm going to leave you on a note from uh, Carolyn who has just texted in and said good by name, great by ability always really enjoy listening to Lavina on your show Smithy so there you go Uh
0: I have a fan. I've got a fan. All right, I've got one.
2: <laughs> you, you, have more than, you have more than one, as do you, ross Carl. Thank you that very is. much uh, for your time this morning. It's been uh, fantastic. It's 10.47 here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese,
1: tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.